0: This episode is sponsored by The Alcohol Experiment, a free 30 day challenge designed to interrupt your patterns, give you control, restore your health, and put you back in touch with the version of you who doesn't need alcohol to cope, relax, or enjoy life. More than 220,000 people have already tried the alcohol experiment for themselves and have seen improved sleep, increased happiness, reduced anxiety, and so much more. Join thousands in this inspiring, hopeful, and exciting program where you examine your beliefs and reconnect with the best version of you without ever feeling like you're missing out. Start today for free at alcoholexperiment.com. this is Annie Grace and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. I am the founder of this Naked Mind and the Alcohol Experiment and I'm going to do things a little bit differently today. So today is really exciting. Over the past month or so, we have seen our community grow in such an incredible way. So today I just want to take a moment to say thank you, whether you're new to this Naked Mind or you followed us for a while. We're so grateful to play a role in your journey to freedom and I'm so, so glad that you're here. So we're closing in on our 400th episode, which is Amazing. And I have hundreds of free resources available to you. So if you're just getting to know us, please be sure to explore all of this amazing naked life stories, the readers' questions, the coaching episodes. Some of our most popular podcast episodes include episode two, which is uh, Why Do I Have So Much Anxiety the Day After Drinking? Episode 10, which is Overcoming a Craving My Very Best Advice episode 248, which is why can't I get unstuck and episode 308, which is what are the health benefits when you stop drinking? So I recommend that you check those out first. And at This Naked Mind, we offer a really positive solution, once that's centered on positive emotion, how you feel. So many instances care about you just changing your behavior but don't necessarily take into account how you feel about it. And I believe life is meant to be enjoyed and to feel good. And so it's not any good if I was going to change my drinking and feel miserable and deprived. And so we take a completely different approach and really empower you with the tools that give you your power back and enable you to decide what's right for you without illogical cravings or urges. And since this Naked Mind methodology can remove the psychological desire for a drink, this allows you to drink less or stop drinking without pain. And I know that sounds too good to be true, but this Naked Mind has now helped literally hundreds of thousands of people across the world to find true freedom. And this incredible change can open the door to you in the life that you have been waiting for and looking for. And another incredible resource is the Alcohol Experiment. That is our 30-day free challenge. It's designed to help you re-examine your beliefs around alcohol, dip a toe, interrupt your old patterns, um, and restore your health. Get back in touch with that best version of you that didn't need alcohol to relax or have a good time without rules, without any proclamation that you're never going to drink again or anything like that, just a bit of a reset. And you can find that always free at alcoholexperiment.com. And of course, visit thisnakedmind.com for additional resources. So today I'm really excited because we are going to re-release one of my most popular and my personal favorite ever Naked Life story episodes uh, with Wyatt and Mary. So I hope that you enjoy them as much as I do. Hi, this is Annie Grace at this Naked Mind podcast, and this is a podcast that I've been super excited to do because I have not one but two special guests. So I've got Paige and Mary Lambert. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. I don't know if I introduced you right, so you can reintroduce yourselves if I did it incorrectly. (laughs) Like, do you go by Paige and Mary or Mary and Paige or just... (laughs) (laughs)
1: the order we're a little bit flexible on, yeah, uh, but yeah, um, I'm Paige, and this is
2: Mary, Mary. Yeah. yeah, so it's
1: actually spot on. <laughs> oh, so good, so good,
0: so welcome, you guys, so you guys, um, you reached out to me, and I actually knew about you because of the incredible song, Same Love, which is just, ugh one of those tearjerker, beautiful, beautiful songs that just gets my heartstrings. And I was like, oh my gosh, Mary Lambert read my book. on, oh, freaking out. So anyways, this is like mutual freaking out, which we were doing WhatsApp before we started. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> Welcome, you guys. This is so exciting. So tell me, tell me your story. I'm going to just turn it over and you guys just go back and forth and t- tell me all the things.
1: Yeah, maybe yes. we could start with, if you don't mind, Han, the fact like what prompted you to reach out to Annie. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I...
2: Um, I guess this see.
1: requires going a little bit further back in the yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you
2: yeah. I think, yeah, because you have gone through such a massive transformation. Yeah that for me I felt like I couldn't not acknowledge somebody who was a catalyst for your changing. Right, right. And I I just felt just such deep gratitude for Annie and like and in, in you know, your perspective and mm-hmm. um your uh your approach I felt like it's very accessible and uh fair and um kind and generous yeah, to, yeah. The, to the reader to the audience and I feel like that is just so drastically not drastically but just very different the than the rhetoric you get at AA oh or, yeah or or just other approaches where it sometimes feels a little shamey totally and and really like Calling things, you know, like it's a, it's a, it really kind of deals in absolutes. Yeah, and I feel like much like what I what I do in my work, which is uh, m- what I want to do is to like destigmatize mental illness. I want to de- mm-hmm. de- I want to deconstruct shame and where shame comes from. Yes, most like for what I deal with is mostly with. Childhood trauma and sexual assault and mm-hmm. mental illness and those things, but I feel like there's such overlap oh, with substance use.
1: It's like you're, we're all speaking the same language and in search of the same truth and the same peace. And um, what, part of the reason I love hearing Mary talk about this is because it's the this is the first it's the only it's the only relationship I think that I have truly felt like I've had a partner in this journey. But at the same time, the magical thing is because of your work, this is the first time I felt like I haven't needed one. Mm. Like, oh, this is something I could do by myself. It doesn't matter who I have by my side, but isn't it awesome that I have somebody who gets it? Um, but I will say, um, just, just to kind of like back up to my uh, experience with drinking, is that um, as I, I mentioned to you before um, we started recording, um, I have bipolar disorder, Mary does too, and it's a big part of her work and her crusade against shame. Um, but, uh, and I don't know if my my drinking behavior started as a way of sort of self-medicating that or not, but I wasn't really interested in drink drinking in high school. I wasn't really into it in college. And I went to the University of Texas, which is a huge party school. Um, and I was an English major, which no offense to English majors is not exactly rocket science. You've got free time if you want to drink, <laughs> um, but uh, I just wasn't really interested in it. And then when I was in grad school, I was getting my master's degree in English and was living in Bellingham, Washington, and um, absolutely fell in love with drinking. And I was also in, uh, in addition to being totally stressed out, I was also in a really terrible, abusive relationship and was definitely absolutely medicating my way through that. Mm-hmm. Um, I it, it started with like drinking champagne and wine and um then just like gradually i don't I don't even know how it happened. I just got to the point where I was drinking like a fifth of whiskey every other day. Um, I drank, I don't know, a minimum of five beers a night most times. Um, and I had made in 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 kind of various stops in my life, I'd made attempts to cut back on drinking or make little rules for myself, which I now know is super common where I'd be like, oh, I'm just not gonna drink hard liquor anymore. Oh, I'm just not gonna drink brown liquor anymore. That's the problem. Or, oh, I just can't have wine, that whole thing. And um, it had gotten actually, since I met Mary incidentally, which has been just like the best and healthiest relationship of my life, it also kind of coincided with realizing how bad it was getting. Mm -hmm. So just while I've been with Mary, I've had um, like instances, like I've ended up in the hospital twice um, because of drinking. Um, I've like driven while really intoxicated more times than I'd like to admit. Um, have like dredged up stuff with Mary and started fights and treated her really, really, really unfairly, which I'm finding to be the hardest part of this whole process, being of shame. Um, but nothing really even prompted it, Annie. I was, I had downloaded your audiobook. I had downloaded the This Naked Mind audiobook. There was no incident that made me realize oh, shoot, I've really got to stop. There was no single thing um i was just drinking like normal it was just a week where i was having i don't know five or six beers a night and went to bed drunk and woke up hungover every day and um something just it must just be what you talk about in your book that friction between your conscious and unconscious mind something was like let's give that audiobook a listen i mean i just i and i listen to stuff constantly i've got a long commute to work and i'm a college professor so i'm in my office like grading and just hanging out a lot of the times um, when, my, when my office isn't just flooded with students, of course. <laughs> and um, so I started listening to it and so much of, I mean, I just, first of all, just like a superficial level, I was like, this sounds like somebody I'd be friends with. Like just your voice, you sounded like you were in the kitchen talking to me. And you, you started the book with that, the, uh, that, that anecdote about waking up at 3, 3, 3.33 in the morning, every morning. And I, I recognized that. And I recognized waking up and feeling panicked that way and like drinking more to fall back asleep. And I just, I felt like it was somebody like really connecting with me and what I'd gone through. And um, I decided to just, as you kind of suggest in the book, I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to think more about this while I'm drinking. I'm just going to consider it. And I kept listening to the book and I didn't tell Mary what was going on. Um, And she hadn't given me any ultimatums. She didn't pressure me. She wasn't like, it's me or the alcohol. Like she never even really hinted that I needed to stop drinking at any point in our relationship. She's kind of wanted me, I think from a distance to figure that out. And uh, so, yeah, it was a couple of days after I started listening to it. I had like a beer and I was sitting at the kitchen table with it. And I was like, I don't want this anymore. Like I'm so conscious of the effect this has and how it's going to make me feel. And then the next day the same thing happened. I like tried to make myself drink and I didn't like it anymore. And I kept thinking about this, this passage in your book where you said like alcohol will lift you up but only after it's knocked you really far down and it will never lift you up to higher than you would be if you weren't drinking. It's just not possible. Mm. And I thought I'm, I wanna know what it's like to be higher than this. I, I wanna know what that feels like. Cause my life is, I love my life. I'm so happy. And I don't deserve to punish myself like this, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, so then the next day was August 27th. So I'm on day 98 today. Uh, I just stopped and I haven't looked back since I have, I just, I could just talk about it for hours and hours, but it's just been, it's, it's been the most powerful, transformative experience of my life. And it started off with, I signed up for and did the September 30 day challenge. And by then I'd already quit drinking, but I checked in on it all the time anyway, cause I felt like it was like my family. And so Mary knows I would just like sit in bed and read people's stories and try to encourage people and pump them up. And it was still an amazing experience. I'd do it again, even, you know, with, even without drinking, but yeah, just what it, what an incredible journey it's been.
0: Oh, it's so, so cool. One thing that you said um, that really, really struck me, well, there, there's so many things. and. I know we we haven't talked about this yet but do start a podcast cuz you have just a great way of storytelling like you're just <laughs> Thank you. I, I could listen to you all day. So thank you.
1: To I felt I felt like I was rambling so I'm glad to hear that no. it was landing. No, yeah, we, so have, we have a podcast in the works.
2: It's it's called the manic episodes. That <laughs> <laughs> pun is 100% intended.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and it's um a big fat queer bipolar and sober podcast. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's awesome. Um, So good. So one of the things that you said that I thought was so cool was like you didn't. So when I stopped drinking um, or when I not when I stopped this was about a year before I stopped. So I started having this like I remember literally getting off of a train and I was in London and I got off the Paddington to Heathrow Heathrow Express. I'm sitting there in the tunnel and I had this like visual of like oh my gosh i'm on a train and it is headed somewhere and i could see where it was going and i was like Mm. this train is going and it is going somewhere very dark and very bad because i was crossing all these lines right so i'd started like these little lines like Okay, well, it's it's still two a.m. in New York, so even though it's six a.m. in London, I can definitely pour myself a drink. That's okay because uh-huh. whatever, and I know it's it's vodka, but it's an orange juice. So even though it's you know what, yeah, what all right. the lines, and so I just had this like moment of clarity. It was like wow, I see where this train is headed, and um, it took me still time to get off that train. I had to right. do all the research that I did, but I one of my biggest like deepest desires is to help um, you know, just spread the message that like, we don't have to stay on the train. We don't have to see where it's going. We don't have to go through all those awful like experiences right. until it finally crashes. And then right. yeah, we're gonna change. I mean, like the the research shows that, you know, drinking will naturally kind of evolve out of like most humans, Will drink too much and then they will naturally come up against such consequences that they will stop drinking. I mean, that's kind of what the research shows. It will take on often, I think it's like 25 years or something crazy. But like,
1: why do we have to do that? Right.
0: Why can't we just have this conversation earlier? Why can't this conversation be like donuts or, you know, (laughs) eating too much, um, I don't know, red meat? Like, come on, let's just have that conversation. So I love that about your story.
1: And the extent to which it's culturally normalized is also something that your work drew my attention to initially, but now I I think I'd like to think I'm like, you know, I'm an intellectual and I'm a critical thinker and I'm above being persuaded by those kind of messages, but Um, And my parents didn't drink, not really. I mean, my mom drank like when I was in my teens, I saw her drink some, but my dad was a teetotaler and never touched it my whole life. And, um, but I think that didn't really matter because it was just this like saturation of messages that it was, it was, you know, it was, it was positive and and it was sexy and yeah. And I had, you know, thank God I don't have to think about this now, but concerns too about Like, I felt like I was already operating at sort of a deficit because I struggle with mental illness. I thought if I add into that mix that I'm sober or in recovery from drinking, you know, or God forbid that I'm an alcoholic, like nobody's ever going to want to be near me because I sound like a basket case, you know? And so that caused me a lot of concern. And so, yeah, like, as you just said... Instead of going through that whole shame-filled process, mm. and that's where a lot of this touches up against what you are talking about earlier, about like navigating and negotiating shame and kind of transcending it, um, it it's, a, it's such a better way to think about it, to say like, oh, I, I have an opportunity to get off that train. Yeah. Like I see where it's going and it doesn't end well. And as as you talk about in your book and the research shows, it is... I don't know if this is quite the right word, but it's progressive. Like, it's not going to magically get better. And there's not going to be a day when, you know, suddenly the consequences are, are so bad that, or, or why would I let it get there in the first place, right? right? Um, and we had also, like, we had successfully quit smoking. So that was another, that was, big deal. that was a big deal as far as like my, I knew I had sort of a partner in doing this. Um, but I realized that I had reached a real turning point with my sobriety because in talking with Mary about it, I had a lot of apprehensions about, because Mary still drinks, Mm -hmm. um, in that magical way where it's not a problem for her and she has control over it, um, which is just a superpower, I think. Um, but no, I, I don't, I don't mean to say that, but, um, she has a totally different relationship with it than I do. And I had concerns about like affecting how much fun we were going to have together as a couple And like, I wasn't going to be like crazy, fun, drunk Paige anymore. And finally, Mary was like, what the person you became when you drank wasn't fun. Like that wasn't fun for me. You're not more interesting. You're not more fun. You
2: don't, you like you, there are times when I feel like I have to make excuses for you or I feel a little embarrassed Mm -hmm. and, and I just never like, it is such a gift like your sobriety is such a gift that like we can go to a dinner party and i just know that you're going to be on. Like you're yeah. on, you're so smart, you're so funny. There's not it doesn't it didn't it never made you more fun. Right. And i think there might have been times where it it was okay because everybody else was, you know, right, drunk as hell, acting you know? right, acting a fool. <laughs> yeah. And like th- i feel like i you know, I have my own, I've had my own relationship with, you know, with drinking where I used to be a bartender and in bartending culture, like, you know, it was encouraged that I drink on the job. And so I was blacking out like a couple times a week. Mm -hmm. I like drank really heavily starting from when I was like 16 until maybe like 24, 25. And I was in relationships where it was kind of like, that was shamed. So I immediately was like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a product of my environment. So I was like, okay, well, I don't drink anymore. (laughs) And then I would secretly drink. (laughs) So I knew from my experience that like the, like someone giving me an ultimatum or say, or like kind of shaming that, um, that behavior was not helpful. Right. So when I might've seen some like red flags with you and your drinking, I knew that there was no, there was going to be no... Um, sustainable solution. Yeah. With me being like, it's either me or drinking. At the helm of it. Yeah. It had to be your own journey. Just like my relationship with alcohol changed, but not because anybody told me to. Ex- totally. And it was I, just because like, I didn't want to be hung over anymore. I didn't want to like have
1: moments where I was just like forgetting everything. Yeah. And I'm sorry for totally steamrolling this, Annie, but that's, that's exactly what like in my previous relationship, I My partner did confront me and said, you know, like, you, this is completely unacceptable and either you're going to quit drinking or I'm going to leave you. And I was like, all right, I can do it. So I remember I took the bottle of whiskey and dumped it down the sink and I was like, that's it. I'm never drinking again. And I just got like really adept at hiding it. Mm -hmm. And um, that was, I think, you know, speaking of the cognitive dissonance, it was worse than ever then. And I was as ashamed of it as I'd ever been. Um, but knowing with Mary, I had freedom to be honest with her about what the journey was like, but also that I owned my, I owned being sober. It was my thing. It wasn't something that was hitched to Mary in any way. It wasn't her idea. It wasn't her pressure. Um, and and one night I remember, you know, I, I, I think I told her and she really bought like, okay, this is going to stick was I said, um, if I had a choice right now, if you said, which of course Mary would never do this and presumably no sane person ever would, but if, if I said, Mary, if you told me you can do this shot of tequila with me or I'm going to leave you, I would be like, I'm going to pack my bags. I'm gone. I, I would choose my sobriety over this relationship every day of the week. And she was like, Oh, thank God. I remember you sort of like just oh, it made me so happy <laughs> because I think that can be, I think that can be its own issue, right? Is somebody else feeling responsible for being like a steward of your sobriety is Mm. a really unfair, impossible situation to be in. And I think we know that too, because nobody can be the steward of your mental illness, right? right? right, right. Like nobody can be responsible for your well-being and for your self-care, but you. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think um, our communication in that way has been just so helpful. Right. Well, and because I used to be, uh, I used
2: to be a craft bartender. So this was like, it was kind of a fun challenge because I have, I have, we have a pretty big bar in our house. And so I had, I was worried about, I was worried, first of all, that I was like, well, we have all of this, all of this liquor here and <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to stop drinking. Like I like having a drink, like, a, you know, I don't know, once every few days. And like, I wanted to, I still wanted to enjoy like craft cocktails or a nice glass of wine. And so I was like, is your is your journey like do i need to start you know adapting or changing and it was just so reassuring you're like god no like (laughs) do 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 what you want to do it has nothing to do with me yeah and that felt so safe yeah and i still there were still like times when you like when it was first when you were first going through the you know the transformation where i was like are you sure it's okay? Are you sure you don't mind? It's on like, on my breath or like, you yeah. know, and I just felt so safe. And then I got to like, come up with different mocktail recipes. And that's she's, been really fun. She's gotten really good at Every it. Every night's a new mocktail recipe. Mm-hmm. It's yes.
1: so much fun. There's so, like, it's becoming a, a thing. There'll be like a sprig of rosemary, like lemon, <laughs> lemon. And she's, I mean, she's so good at it. <laughs> but yeah, um, to, and I promise I'll stop and take a breath here. Can you tell we've been excited to have this conversation? <laughs> We're so excited to talk
2: to you. <laughs> but,
1: um, <laughs> that was a, um, like I think, in addition to that turning point of of realizing, you know, that um, I would I would choose my sobriety over any relationship that was, in, I think that that helped to give you the confidence. But I also told, as far as socializing and being able to go out and all that stuff, I I remember I told Mary, oh no, Annie says that like she goes to bars and stuff; it doesn't bother her at all. I was like, that's what I like about Annie's book. She's not telling me like you're never allowed to do this again. It was like you get to not do this if you don't want to, (laughs) like, it's okay to not do that, there's no can't or don't or won't in it, so, and that was so different than all the other, like, literature that I'd read or stuff from AA that was very much, like, you could never be around it, for some reason, whenever I hear AA, I always just imagine this, like, you know, like a black and white image and it's like this grizzled old man with a cane like that's what I imagine. it's like sta- <laughs> like stabbing you like you could never go to bars again and you could never be happy again and you have to give yourself to God. well and I know that's helped people a lot I know I know I know but just for me it as and you just like you just like you said earlier Mary too much of it was like you have to diagnose yourself face the fact that you are like fundamentally as a human being flawed and you have to change your life forever and you'll never be able to be the same person you were. Now you are a big A alcoholic and you can never get away from it. And I thought, like I said earlier, I'm already like big B bipolar. I don't, this doesn't feel good. You yeah. know, I don't want to be this thing. Um, and instead it's just like an activity that I get to not do, you know, I just, it's just like, I don't know. I'm not particularly crazy about snowboarding. I don't have to do that either.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. Um, so the the other thing that really like struck me in the early days about, about going out with other people. So I love how Mary's like, you're, you're just as much fun. You're hilarious and you're fun and everything. And one of the things that I noticed is because when you go into something with the mindset and I would always, I always caution people. I'm like, go, don't go into it with the mindset that it's going to be amazing. Cause then you're just going to set yourself up for disappointment, but don't go into a mindset that it's going to suck. Right. Because yeah. you're going to like prove it true. Please, yeah. Whatever we say, if, it, if we say like, oh man, it's going to be so miserable at this bar, all I'm going to want to do is, is drink. Like that's going to happen because you told yourself it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's just the truth. But go into it with like just some curiosity, like, okay, well, how's this going to be? Like, am I going to be fun? Am I going to not be as funny? Am I not going to be as cool? And like when I started going into stuff with curiosity, and then I'd come into it and I'd be like, well, why is everybody taking so long to loosen up? Because they all <laughs> have this idea that they need three drinks, right? You know? Because they've told them, oh, okay, we this is how parties work. We come, yep. we get our beer, we stand around, okay, <laughs> okay, now we can have fun. And I show up, I'm like, all right, why why aren't we talking about the? Parties here, the kids are downstairs. Like, what's happening? Like, what? Let's let's go. go. you
1: know. Yeah, let's <laughs> go, right? And in fact, wasn't it? I know that I, I I feel like one of my students like oversighting a paper in an essay here, but I'm just going to keep doing it. It was also in your book that you talked about going to a work function or something and telling your husband like, Oh my God, it was awful. And he was like, well, that's probably because it was a bunch of work people.
0: Yeah, totally. It work? was work people in another country where I'm never going to see him again. And the whole point of it was like to close deals. Right. So like you're, <laughs> you're on and like, yeah. it's just not a, it's not a fun environment. It's like right. toxic anyway. Cause you're trying to sell your charisma in place of like, whatever the the whole ATM deal I was trying to close I mean it was so silly like in the first yeah and And I oh okay and it was so freeing too because at that moment it was like there that was a really big fear like okay I'm going to go into this with curiosity but what if I prove to myself that it's just amazing and that I'm super boring with it but I had to allow for that like you you have to allow for both both outcomes, right? And I think oh, that's yeah. what's so important about not making it a black and white conversation. Mm-hmm. Is that like we don't we don't do that with anything else. We don't we don't do that with I, I mean like anything. I can't think of anything that we're like okay it has to be all or nothing. We don't say okay I'm not a runner if I don't run 365 days a year, right? Right. Like, I, we, I cannot, I, and I've been trying. So if you guys can think of anything, let me know. But I, <laughs> That it has to be all or nothing. Oh, now, it. for me, I'm like, yeah, I drink whatever I want, whenever I want. I just haven't wanted to in almost five years now, so that's that's, that's good for me. That's but exactly. I also it. am never gonna say like, no, I am. I'm never having a drink again because that makes me like seize up and freak out.
1: And that's, like, yes, that's very that's, uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's and that's why, in fact, I told Mary like, in fact, no, please leave the liquor in the house. It doesn't feel like I'm exercising. I don't have to exercise any self-control or willpower or any of that nonsense at all. Instead, it's just constant. Like it's it's not even a decision I'm making. It was oh yeah, that's there. Like and if if someday I decide that that's something I want back in my life, sure. Like if mm-hmm. when we get married, I decide I want to have a glass of champagne, yeah, that's an option. Sure. Like I can do whatever I want, but now. I have the self control. And for me, it's also a sign of trust on Mary's part that she will invite me to situations like that where there will be drinking because she's that confident in my sobriety. So for mm-hmm. me, that just helps it to mature and to evolve, you know, and um, it's only I don't know, like I, I, I sometimes will think of it as like a growing child where I'm like, yeah, my my sobriety's still really young. and I'm still figuring all this stuff out about myself. And I had that, um, like I, it took me, I don't know, maybe a month or so to come out of that sort of mental fog. And, mm-hmm. But I'd have moments where I'd be like, I don't know if I'm gonna be as sharp or as funny or as witty or as entertaining without alcohol. But then I'd think about things like when your sister came to visit and we, you know, we were all drinking, but of course, as always, I was drinking way more than everybody else. And um, I don't even remember what I was doing, dancing around and acting like an idiot in the living room. And I was really drunk, but I was just sober enough to hear Mary turn to her sister and go, I mean, I have to stop this, right? Like, I have to stop her, right? And I was like, "Oh my god, I, I'm 30. I'm like 35 years old, and this, this, I'm, I'm embarrassing myself in my mm-hmm. own house, like with my partner in front of her family member who came to visit from Seattle." And I think that might have been where the because it was shortly after that that I started listening to Annie's uh, book. I think yeah. that had a huge effect on me. Um, because I want to be like my career is so unbelievably important to me and I've worked so hard for it. And um, I'm just realizing now it's incredible that I accomplished, I feel like I accomplished everything I did with one hand tied behind my back because I was so drunk for most of it. Right. Um, that now I'm like, what am I gonna be able to do now that I'm sober? Right. Yeah. And all these cool things have happened. I just went on Jeopardy. Um, which <laughs> yeah, was, it was great. just on Jeopardy. So <laughs> And the episode's going to air in February. So there's that whole thing. Um, and I thought about it and I was like, I didn't have to worry about like, there was definitely a day when it would be like, okay, I'm gonna have to figure out how to get a quick drink and a cigarette right before I go in. Because when I auditioned, actually, I had like three or four beers before I went into the audition room and I nailed it. And so I remember telling Mary afterwards, I was like, I'm gonna have to have a couple beers before I go on Jeopardy because I think that's when I get in my sweet spot. Like who thinks that? like what person alive is like you I know like, that. yeah like <laughs> yeah.
0: well, i thought I told-
1: that about pool i thought that about skiing i
0: definitely thought that about business
2: do you um, say skiing you thought about skiing oh yes you better <laughs>
0: Which, how dangerous is that? Oh my god! So
2: right? I've done that too. I just, we, I just did that, in fact. Yeah, we were just talking about skiing, because we went skiing last year, and, yeah. you, and I think you were drunk.
1: And-, and, <laughs> and isn't there such a, because I think we are such like, I mean, Annie, you're like hugely successful, aside from this whole project of like just absolutely changing people's lives. You're successful in your own right. Mary, you're hugely successful. I'm successful. And what, what kind of a weight that must that be on a person's brain to know in your heart that what you believe and how you're justifying your behavior is total BS? Because you know it the whole time. I knew it the whole time. I mm. knew there's absolutely no way I teach better when I'm hungover. You know, like there's no way that I'm a better driver if I've had a beer. That's just not logical. And I think holding those beliefs that are not just not true Mm -hmm. but also are so insulting to who we actually are and what Mm -hmm. we're capable of I just think that creates this huge weight and like even if you're not conscious of it until you get rid of it you know um like the what Alan Carr talking about the uncomfortable shoes Mm -hmm. um it just doesn't and but it's crazy how unable you are to get past the uh like how quickly rather you can be like well that doesn't make any sense but that's just how it has to be doesn't make any sense but I've really gotten used to this and I don't want to mess with perfection you know mm-hmm. um, but I, I told Mary just the other day I was like you know I'm sure there are like a few benefits to drinking like it it's like does the old social lubricant thing and it gives you something to do and you can try new cocktails and all that stuff but so I could do that but by not doing it I am av- avoiding like 600 other problems yeah. <laughs> and if I ever feel even a little bit tempted I told Mary that uh, I think you were out of town and I was walking past a pizza parlor and t- I was walking to a pizza parlor in town. <laughs> and I, it was a really cold night and I walked past this bar and there was a football game on. I'm a huge football fan. And it was like all these people huddled around the TV watching the Patriots and like their pitchers of beer and it looked warm and cozy and, oh. and I walked past it and I felt this little twinge. And I was like, you know, things have been going pretty well lately. I could just have a beer. Like things are really good. And then instantly I was like, oh, things are going really well because you haven't been doing that. Totally. That's why. <laughs> like don't do, don't fumble at the one yard line. Like yeah. there's no reason well, to do this.
2: And that reminds me of like, of like finally, like, cause I, I was diagnosed bipolar when I was 15, but I didn't go on like an actual regimen of meds until I was 22. And I was just like, there after I'd been on meds for a while, I was like, well, I'm doing fine, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like stable now. So I don't think I need this anymore. (laughs) And I was like, oh, maybe, (laughs) maybe it's because meds are working.
0: (laughs) It's so, here's the thing. Human beings, adults, we're going to do what we want to do anyway, right? And I, I feel like there's so much fear around like, oh my gosh, you're telling people that it's not black and white and they could drink again if they want to. I'm like, no, I'm just saying that like, we are, we are adults, we are grown ass people. We are going to make our own decisions and we can make those decisions with this aura of, of shame and hiding, or we can make those decisions with the, I'm walking by this cozy bar, it looks really fun and nice inside, huh, let me think about this. Let me get conscious. And so, so I always say like to, especially people coming out of the alcohol experiment, I'm like, do whatever pleases you, but do it with your brain do it mindfully and consciously. Do not slip into it. You know, there's two main things that happen is moments of insane stress or moments of crazy celebration where people slip into it. And of course we slip into it in other places too. Those aren't the only two, but like when you slip into it without seriously thinking about it and saying, Hey, what is this really going to cost me? I remember, um, you know, whenever I was offered a free drink that really triggered me. And I think it was because it was like, I don't know. It was free, and I didn't have a lot when I was growing up. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's free!" and and whatever. And then when I really processed, like, what is the cost?
1: Yeah, cost.
0: It became such a different conversation, which is so cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think for, um, and and especially in terms of cost, I mean, I I wonder too, um, uh, just drinking is one of the, I mean, it's not, obviously it's it's not going to help anyone, but for someone with bipolar disorder, it's particularly bad. Right. And um, I'm not supposed to drink on my meds. That never stopped me. Um, And uh, I don't, I mean, there's not even an assumption that people, that you're going to follow that, you know? And in fact, when I told my, I was so excited to tell my psychiatrist, I wasn't drinking alcohol anymore. And even my psychiatrist was like, Oh okay that's great. You know it just it was such a tepid response compared to like when you quit smoking the whole world is just like exploding and right. orgasmic celebration for you. But with drinking I've really struggled to get any enthusiasm from anybody and I wonder if I know the fact that it's so accepted is a big part of that but I'm like it's also making me realize oh my god I was doing a really good job of hiding how bad the problem was. Right. I mean a really good job and even even my you know my sister we were just visiting with um, I had to kind of convince her. I was like, "No, you don't understand. It was really bad. Like I couldn't remember the last day I had gone without a drink. It was bad. But still I couldn't get that same level of enthusiasm. So I think I've learned to appreciate it for what it is, which is it's the beginning of this whole new journey for me because now I'm sort of uncovering the reasons that I started, you know, that I that that I that I started medicating that way in the first place. I'm uncovering all this stuff about my mental health and you know, I was, I've been talking with my therapist about the fact that I had very permissive parents. I mean, they just let me do There was, it was what I like to call laissez-faire parenting. Um, I had like no boundaries, no restrictions. We could be out however late we wanted. It was just, it was like really high expectations. My dad used to say college isn't enough. You have to go to some form of professional school or get a PhD or something. And it's Worked pretty well, but my sister was an attorney, and my brother is a physician, and I'm a college professor. But then my uh, I have a younger brother who has struggled on and off with substance abuse problems, and I think actually all of us have. And I'm realizing about permissive parenting that 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 um, you know people if you're raised in that kind of a household, you are more likely to to end up with substance abuse problems. So that's been interesting to kind of uncover, Mm. Um, and I've also learned. How and this is this connects not only with your work and the stuff that you explore in your creative work, but also what I know Annie has an interest in too, which is how kind of um, suppressed trauma and suppressed experiences can lead to this kind of pain that we don't really understand that manifests itself in all these different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you're like your interest in that book, The Body Keeps the Score. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Annie, you talk about this with your back pain, those experiences, but it's like, I, I'm, I'm just now realizing it. Like, this is what this, this, this is what the work looks like. Those experiences don't go away. We just you ha- I think being conscious of them, like you said, like going into something with like all elements of your brain turned on and being wi- willing to be critical of yourself and critical of r- your behavior. Mm-hmm. I think sobriety is really just the start for me. It's it's yeah. it's going to be the mm. the start of this much cool. longer journey um, of like I don't know I'm, I mean I know I'm 35 but like becoming a real grown up you know like and taking responsibility for myself and for what I've been through and for self care and yeah all of it. That's so awesome. That's yeah, so good. So good, and and it's
0: it's really interesting. So I've been doing like some additional research re- recently, you know, on the whole idea of like like I have all these studies printed out on like just furthering what I've been looking into about spontaneous sobriety, which is basically this idea that was, it's it's so funny because it's so. Uh, there's a lot of research on it but it's just not even very publicized it's not even well known but the idea is basically that um and it's called either natural remission or spontaneous remission spontaneous sobriety. the idea is that people without any treatment so like not going into aa not going into rehab um just naturally get better and they do it in a way that's more effective and longer term and Mm -hmm. so a lot of my work is like, okay, well, what are, what are the key things in there? And so there's been a few things that have come out recently and it just strikes me to share this because in your story, it feels like all of these key things are really present. So one of the first key things is like something happens that is very internal that makes you feel like, oh, this is not congruent with who I want to be. And Mm -hmm. so I talk about that as like the, the, the conscious and the subconscious kind of have this moment of reckoning where you're like, huh? Okay. And so for you, it was like dancing in front of Mary's sister. And it was like, just, just very like, okay, there's a little bit of this is not the person I, I really know I am. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's kind of coming to that. And a lot of that is social. And then um, one of the things that the research says just so definitively is that uh, when we attach shame to relapse or failure or um, negativity to it, it prolongs Mm. the cycle. Right, so we know that the cycle isn't always like the straightest arrow, it isn't the straightest line, and it can be all sorts of different ways, but like whenever we attach um, like shame to it 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 makes it like it 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 makes it worse and and it's like amazing because it's it's right there in black and white they've studied lots of people, and this is true yeah. right? um, but then the other thing that's really interesting is that. When you start to receive, which I think you do in spades um, in your relationship is positive reinforcement for the change. And Mm. like that is just like so huge and it can be internal, but it can be external, too. And it's interesting because we don't have that enough in society like you're talking about your psychiatrist not saying anything. And I mean this so many dozens of people I told my doctor. And my doctor's like, well, how much are you drinking? What, what's happening? Are you, are you driving drunk? Are you putting your kids in danger? Are you, right. you know, like, um, you know, never sober? Are you, like, what's, and if it's not, like, really bad, you know, then they're like, yeah, well, me too. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. Yeah. i with you. You want to drink? Yeah. It's like just this. And it's just the truth of it, like, you know, doctors and the healers are some of the heaviest drinking nurses, lawyers, and again, successful professional and, um, but it really is. And so I think it will, I mean, it's already, it's already changing our society, but I think it will more and more. And I think the thing that we can do the most is exactly what you're doing is just showing up being you and, and just not drinking. And I think that's that's when someone like you with as much like charisma and and personality and attitude comes out, like just really, oh, it's awesome because it just catapults the whole thing forward.
2: Well, I think too, um, as you're talking, like what I think, cause I'm trying to think, I'm like, okay, what is the, why is there not the response that sort of maybe we're looking, we're seeking when, Uh when we quit drinking or like when, as you begin this journey, like, why hasn't that been happening for you? Because for me as, as your partner, I've just been like, I've every day, I'm just like, I can't believe it. It's just, this is the best. It's changed everything. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, and I will I messaged Annie. Yeah, I did. I I just wanted to thank Annie just for like, wow, our life is just totally different and we haven't had a fight in three months and it's just really cool. (laughs) And it's everything I wanted it to be. And, um, so I'm trying to think of like, what, why that response isn't there, why everybody isn't having that feeling. And I wonder if part of it is because of the culture of shame Mm -hmm. around drinking, where people know so many other people have quit drinking or use the model of AA or just use this model of absolutes where they know that somebody's going to relapse again. Or like how many times has somebody said that they're going to quit doing something and then, you know, it's, for from what I like my perspective and what I've seen especially as a bartender I've been like oh sure you're gonna quit drinking like okay (laughs) like uh uh-huh like I just I just don't you don't see it like it just doesn't it isn't something that like sticks until like until like hearing about Annie and hearing like hearing about your process
1: I'm like oh this is Yeah. Like you really mean this. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like when you have a friend who they're with somebody, they're in a relationship with somebody that you're not crazy about and they break up all the time. So when they do, you try really hard not to be like, Oh good. That guy was never good enough for you. I hated him. You're like, Oh y'all broke up. Okay. Um, I'm so sorry. Just like, okay, they're going to be back together within a week. Right. Right. I, I could see that. Like I could see you being kind of like, Reluctant to, and I know I think that's why I think you're yeah, right. I think also, for a lot of people. It's it's also you don't want to prematurely celebrate it Yeah, right.
2: because initially when you first started I didn't say anything, but I remember it was like it was there was one night where you only had two beers and I was just like, something's, something's wrong. <laughs> I was just like, I'm not, I'm just not used to, I was like, that's cool. I wonder if she's like experimenting or like, I really appreciate mindfulness, you know? And, and then the next night you like barely had one. And I was like, what is going on with my partner? Like, like I don't know. I thought maybe you were like really, really sick. <laughs> it just didn't, it didn't make sense to me. And then um, the next night you didn't have anything at all. And I didn't want to say anything because I, I don't know if I didn't want to jinx it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it was, but I, I just, I didn't want you to have any sort of like attachment to my praise to it. Uh-huh. And I, I didn't want you to have any pressure from me whatsoever or, or for me to say like one thing is good and one thing is bad yeah, because yeah. I wanted it to be totally up to you. Yeah. Yeah. Because if it's anything other than that, to me, that's just not sustainable. Right. And then it wasn't until like maybe a week or two later where you you brought it up with me. You're like, I think this is I think this is gonna stick. I think this is gonna be my I think this is it.
1: Yeah, and I I was enrolled in the alcohol experiment too. So I was, and it was because I was scared about being a downer. So I was like, honey, I think I'm gonna do this thing. It's only 30 days. Don't worry, like it's not forever. I don't want you to worry that I'm gonna be a dud forever. And you're like, please let it be forever. (laughs) Great. Yeah. are like whatever you have to say to yourself. Yeah. But, and I think that's what's so, um, that's what's, you know, not only is, because I I, I think what you gave me in our relationship really mirrored what Annie's book gave me Mm -hmm. and that whole experience was like, this is like, I, I am here to see how awesome this is for you. Like, I just want you to see what it's like. And I learned, um, and I think that's really revolutionary because like, I, I, I listened to Alan Carr's book when I quit smoking and this is a very crude, you know, he's just like so British and sophisticated. And I listened to it in an audiobook, but so it's a very crude rendering of what he says. But he says basically, like, relish that feeling of whatever that, cra- that withdrawal feeling is, because that's like the nicotine monster dying inside of you. Like, just, re- just revel in it, like, get to the point where you love the feeling of it dying. And so I kind of did that same thing where when I'd feel those little like cravings to drink or like the physical withdrawal, I was like, hell yeah, that means I'm getting sober. Like that's awesome. Like I want the desire to drink to just wither and die. And so that was a different mindset too. And having like a partner, having a teammate, and there are so many different ways, I think in a relationship, I saw so many people in the alcohol experiment on the Facebook group. And I, of course I won't, I won't compromise any of their privacy, but just to talk about it generally, who would say like my partner's being terrible right now. Or like mm-hmm. my partner is like, you know, getting blackout drunk and re- and yelling at me, or my partner saying mm-hmm. that this, doing this whole thing is stupid. And I just, I just broke my heart not to say like, I've got this all figured out. Cause Mary and I both had to struggle so much with this before I made the decision to quit drinking. So in a lot of ways, this is a continuation of that journey. So it hasn't always been easy, but um, just, and I don't even, I just, I kind of wanted to say to all of them, like this is, an, this is an opportunity for you to like, you could do two things. You can either just like continue to be who you are and protect your sobriety and model what it can look like when you are sober and your mind is clear, or you can get the hell away from them because they sound awful. Like, you, you know what I mean? And I know you can't make those judgments about other people's relationships, but um, just having had both experiences, I think also having Mary listen to your work with me, which she was willing to do, She's like, keep listening to Annie's book, like while I'm brushing my teeth, or getting ready for bed, I wanna hear it, I wanna to listen to it. Um, having her be like in on that process really, really helped. And it wasn't, you know, Mary was not in a position to be like, maybe I should quit drinking too, because that's not her journey. Um, and I didn't try to convince her of that because it doesn't really have anything to, it, at the end of the day, we're in a relationship, but my sobriety can't have anything to do with her in order for it to be sustainable and a real mm. fundamental part of who I am. So instead it's something different. It's something that's my own, but that Mary gets to like help me cultivate and watch it grow and be proud of me. And like you said, Annie, give me that positive reinforcement. Yeah,
0: it's so good too, because I feel like, um, yeah, in a relationship you have, change is gonna be tumultuous. And, and it literally doesn't matter how amazing the change is. If somebody loses a hundred pounds, if somebody starts working out every day, if somebody you know, gets, gets healthy, if somebody gets on medication for a mental illness or off medication or heals or whatever, like yeah. it's going to be tumultuous no matter how positive the change is because there's right. a lot of fear that comes up. And the fear is like, are they gonna be different? Are they, are they going to be too good for me? Are they not going to want me around if they do this? Like, and so I think that you know another thing that I think is so important if you're listening, and you haven't had the support that like Mary has given Paige, is just to really know that you know, sometimes it can be on us, because we are, we are the one, like, especially if your partner is still drinking, they're still stuck, like, you've got your health now, you've got your mental faculties now, you've got your, you know, confidence is growing every single day, because you're doing what you say you're going to do, and you're keeping commitments to yourself, and so any kind of um, just security, you can give your partner of, like, hey, like, I'm still here. I'm still gonna appreciate your mocktails with little sprigs of rosemary. It's gonna be, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. you know, whatever it is, just to know that like it is scary for a partner to change. No matter yeah. if the change they're yeah. making it's the best change ever, it's still-
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. We we talk about this a lot that I um that I feel like because since we both struggle with mental illness, there are a lot of conversations that we don't have to have with each other, um because we understand what the experience is like. Yeah, the implicit right sort of yeah conversations. and um but at the same time when you know I'll get questions sometimes um because a lot of Mary's fans will reach out to me on Instagram and ask me questions and then a lot of them of following me and things like that and um they'll say like what what advice do you have for somebody who's in a relationship with someone with mental illness and um the way I think of it is like at the doctor's office where there's a a list on the wall, and I'm not, I, I don't mean to conflate mental illness with alcohol, but as Mary said, like, a lot of the language is the same, and a lot of the, like, the the goal is the same, right, Um but I think about the, like, the list on the wall of the doctor's office of patient rights and responsibilities, then, like, as somebody who's a partner to somebody with mental illness, you you do have responsibilities, or a partner who's struggling with their drinking or wants to quit drinking, like, of course, you have responsibilities to, like, be supportive of them and help them and communicate with them and know what they're going through. Um, but you also have right, you have, you have the right to be, you know, I think to be aware of it. And, uh, you have the right to a partner who is taking care of themselves and a right to a partner who's being fair to you and, um, isn't scapegoating you or pressuring Mm. you into drinking Mm. or, um, you know, is making you feel guilty about your choice. Like I remember, but when I was a smoker, I hated it when my friends quit smoking. I Oh, me too. Oh, I w- it was like they were abandoning me. I yeah. hated it. And I, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would think less of them, but way more of them at the same time. I was like, you can't leave me here with this. So You can't leave me here with this addiction. This is bullshit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and I, I worried that I was going to make Mary feel that way. But, um, you know, I had just through my understanding of what sobriety would be like, I, I, th- I kind of knew intuitively, oh, this is what a supportive partner looks like in this situation. And, um, but yeah, I totally agree with what you said that for people listening who um, are in relationships and maybe don't have that same level of support, um, like you said, you've got so much on your own and you are becoming mm-hmm. stronger and better able to deal with anything that life throws at you totally. without alcohol. Alcohol cannot right. and will not enhance your ability to deal with stress or tragedy or. Excitement or any of it, you know, yeah. like what kind of, as as you and Ellen Carr say, like what kind of miracle drug is it that is just as effective at treating like euphoria and heartbreak? Like that doesn't, it's not, that's not, it's not it. Yeah. Um, it's going to like drag you down in any situation. Um, but yeah, while you're getting sober, it's like you're exercising all those muscles that will make you stronger and better able to deal with whatever life throws your way, whether that's working on your relationship or Mm -hmm. realizing that you have grown past the relationship or, you know, like it'll give you more energy and more faculties to do all of that stuff and to be better on your own. And my confidence just grew every single day that I, that I wasn't drinking after August 27th it was, I woke up like excited to learn like, what's, what's going to feel different today. Mm. Like even if at first it felt kind of bad because I was in a fog and while I was teaching, I kept forgetting what I was going to say. I, I just took a page out of the Alan Carr book and of your book. And I was just like, I'm going to embrace this feeling. This is the feeling of getting better. This is the experience of getting better. And now having that confidence knowing like I, I did that. Like I, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. Like I, what can't I tackle? If I can do this without al- alcohol, what can't I do? And there are so many people in the alcohol experiment who would say, I lost my job today. I didn't drink. Um, you know, my kid came home and they'd gotten in a big fight at school. I didn't drink. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 the, there was one person I remember who, um, talked about like, uh, they were, they were uh, concerned that their house was going to be foreclosed on. And they're like, that might happen. And I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I do know I'm not going to drink in response to wow. it. And um, everyone, of course, it was just like universal support and praise. And so I have to say, and that's another thing I cannot recommend highly enough is doing the alcohol experiment and having this little cohort of people and coaches Mm. who are experiencing what you are. And maybe they've been through it. There are some people in my group who had gone through the alcohol experiment successfully before I say successfully, if they did it, it was successful. You know, if they even tried to do it, it was Mm. successful. Um, but knowing that I wasn't alone in the brain fog. I wasn't alone in, um, in feeling that way. And for people who did feel like they didn't have support from their partners, I was able to say, um, you know, that might be true and you might not be getting that positive reinforcement from your partner or from your doctors or whoever, but we're here and we're giving you that positive reinforcement. Right. Like what you're doing is awesome. What you're doing is incredible
2: and I will say like as as your partner or or for anybody that like has a partner that still continues to drink or like has their own separate relationship to alcohol it, for me watching you has created such an example of mindfulness to where I was like oh well what's my relationship to marijuana like what how much like do I actually like getting stoned this frequently or like <laughs> or do I actually enjoy drinking this much and it's like you have, you have like encouraged that without even like consciously doing it. Yeah. I just see you as an example, mm-hmm. and I wonder how like how that reverberates in our sort of sphere and circle, and, yeah. and and beyond.
1: Yeah, and I think th- and we actually haven't because I, I don't think that your you know your your fans are so into your life; and they just love every detail mm-hmm. of your life, of course. And I don't blame them because their life is awesome. <laughs> um, but um, I imagine too like sharing this, cause you haven't, you haven't talked to them about this yet, but I imagine sharing this experience with them too, will give them insight into what that looks like. And maybe, mm. maybe inspire that same kind of mindfulness. Cause I really do think the most powerful part of this is just being able to model it and just kind of spread the gospel of this being possible because I absolutely didn't think it was. And as Mary said, she was like, I said, what would you just the other day? I was like, what would you do if I told you like six months ago you know, at some point I was gonna be three months sober. And she was like, I absolutely would never have thought that was gonna happen. Impossible. There's no way. And just impossible. And I didn't think so either. But now here we are. And Mary just had this huge, um, gorgeous, incredible album release. Her her album came out and she had this huge like homecoming show in Seattle, um, with like all these like incredible musicians that she's worked with and who are on her album. And um and Macklemore came up and, and performed us uh, the new song they have together on her new album, and it was just huge. And I thought every other time I've been at one of Mary's shows, I've been like almost blackout drunk because I'd get kind of anxious, like being around her fans and like just that atmosphere is so high stress. And I would get a little, little, I'd feel a little bit anxious and I don't know why. And I would just drink and drink and drink and inevitably like start some fight with her and, you know, like really put a damper on it. And I could feel myself just slipping into this really dark place every time Mm. I drank. And I felt like Every episode it would get darker and darker. Like my bottom was getting lower and lower and lower. And um it was also, you know, like hangovers would last four or five days. And you know. Yeah. But yeah, she had the show. And um, I remember you telling me, like knowing that knowing that you're gonna be sober this whole time, I'm just she's like, I'm not. I'm I'm not worried about it. I, I had
2: no anxiety. It was wonderful. I got to have like the best show I've ever had. Yeah. And I just trust, and you were like with my family and you're with my friends and I just never, I was not concerned in the slightest and you were able to just like totally 100% be there for me. And I just felt so safe. I just felt so
1: safe and secure and, and just confident. Oh, it's great. And there's <laughs> even this like one of her fans sent me this video from like a few rows back of uh, that they snuck a video of me like backstage peeking from behind the curtain, just with this huge cheesy grin on my face. And I was like, that wouldn't have been the case before. I'd have been like hiding in the green room, like d- sneaking wine that I've, or like a cooler full of beer I've snuck in. And just that freedom and not having this like gnawing part of me of knowing that I'm like sabotaging myself and that I think so highly of myself in all these different ways, but that I'm like, routinely putting my body through this horrible, depressing, you know, like this toxic experience of just like, yeah, routinely poisoning myself, that that, that just created, I didn't even know how much it was weighing on me. I, di- I didn't realize how much it was eating away at my confidence and mm. at my belief that like, I had a right to this life being this good. Um, but just everything that could possibly be better is, is better. It's unbelievable. Like it's being on the other side of this is so beautiful.
0: So you just said something that I like loved. It's like, I have a right to a life that this, is this good. And like, that's oh. like the craziest part is like, we're just born this way. I'm like what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we just got off our path a little bit. We're just like born this way. We have a right to this being so good. I was um, like, I've had a few podcasts back to back today, but before them all, I was meditating right over there on that little yellow chair. And I've got like a little drink. Strip oh. right by it. And, um, my drinks fridge was like on its cycle, so I was like zzzz, and I'm like trying to incorporate it into the Zen, you know whatever <laughs> and, and eventually, I forgot about it, and then all of a sudden it turned off, and it was like just this like you know, and I, that's just what's coming to my mind as you're talking about it, is like the noise like the white noise went away, I was yeah. like, I could hear like wind chimes outside, and I could hear birds in the trees, and it was like, "Oh my gosh, that was taking so much space in my mind but it was white noise. It was, yeah. you know, and we're just, we just pour alcohol onto all these different experiences. And then it just makes it like this white noise. Like it's yeah. the same feeling. It's the same feeling to be drunk in the green room as it is to be drunk in your wedding day. Like you just, right. it's the same feeling. Yes. how now you get to have the real feeling. Like, and I just love how you said that. Like, I didn't know I had a right to life this good. So you've kind of already answered this, but I'm going to ask you my final question anyway, which is, if you were gonna go back in time and tell, you know, the page of who was drinking five beers a night, who was, um, you know, dancing in front of Mary's sister and kind of like, oh, what's wrong? Like, this isn't necessarily me. And, and you were gonna tell her about like, you know, what life is like now and, and what, what you hope now for her future. What would you tell her?
1: Oh, I would, I think I would say, oh, that's a great question. I think I would tell, I I I think I would tell her like it is it is right on the right on the other side of this. There's something so much better. And it's not a sacrifice. I, I think that's mm. what I would really want to communicate myself to myself is you're not depriving yourself of anything. There's something just so beautiful and so incredible waiting for you on the other side. And I don't even want to describe it because i don't want to spoil the surprise because it's just so incredible but it's like real freedom and real peace and real quiet and um and real love like like knowing that that's and it was so close the whole time i think that's what i think that's what i would tell myself like you're you are giving up absolutely nothing like you're you're entering a entering a world that's better than you could have ever dreamed of. And I would tell myself, you can absolutely do it and you're going to be better and stronger for it. Oh, that's so cool. That's amazing. That's awesome.
0: Such a good way to close. It's like this little just shift in your perspective and it's right. Yeah. There. You, can just, you can just see it slightly differently and everything changes. That's amazing. And I just
1: can't, I cannot thank you enough. I've been, I've gotten really emotional thinking about like when I have a chance to talk to Annie, what am I going to say? and that's why I keep, I keep just thanking Mary and telling her like you facilitated this and how often do you get to like meet and interact with people who have changed, changed your life in this way but I just think, I know that you have an idea of it and I know that people tell you all the time every day how much your work is meant to them but um, I see both of you guys as being in this sort of parallel project of using what you've been through and your own pain and trauma to pave a path that's easier for, that makes life easier for other people. And I think it's just such a selfless, beautiful act. Um, I, I see you guys as like, you're doing, you're doing God's work. Like this is really effective, meaningful work. And like Annie, I just can't, I just can't thank you enough. You absolutely just changed my life. I, you You really did. I know it sounds dramatic. And I know people say this to you a lot, but I think you saved me just years of heartache and pain and, Um, and, uh, instead like gave me, you were just like a friend in my ear on my AirPods while I was walking around campus or, you know, taking out the trash. Like, it was just like Annie talking to me about what was possible in this new life of mine. And it was just hearing a friend's comforting voice. And I'll just, you'll always be such a special part of my journey for that reason.
2: Yeah. And I, I, I want to also thank you. I felt like with this, change that you've made on your sort of own accord you have changed the fabric of our family tree of like how our kids will view alcohol how our grandkids will view alcohol like it is you've stopped a cycle of something like even before it it went bad or it it got bad you know like I'm just so I'm thankful to you Annie and I'm so thankful to you honey for 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 doing the work
1: that really wasn't work at all. No, it was great. <laughs> it was really fun.
2: That's
0: so awesome. Oh, you guys got me all. Oh. <laughs> thank you guys so much. It thank was you, awesome. Annie. This was, was great. Hopefully that wasn't too much rambling and going. Oh, I loved every minute of it. It was just awesome. You guys are so fun and, and just the best and such good energy. So <laughs> thank so right. you so much, Annie. Have a great day, you guys. Thank You, you too. too. Bye. 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 Have you tried the alcohol experiment? Okay. If not drop everything and go to alcohol This is a free 30 day challenge and it's designed to interrupt your patterns and put you back in touch with that best version of you. You remember it was that version of you that's living your most joyful life. That version that didn't need alcohol to relax or have a good time. The one that's able to have more fun than ever. Again, this is a totally free challenge and it can change everything for you. So learn more and join me for a hundred percent free challenge at alcohol. Alcohol and as always, rate, review and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps me reach somebody who might need to hear this message today.